My name is Victoria. I'm an associate clinician here at the well, and I'd like to welcome you all to our Eating Right lecture. So this is where you're going to learn how to eat the well-approved way. For those of you who haven't quite converted all the way to that yet, we'll give you the steps on how to do that. And for those of you who have been tried and true clients of the well, this is just some positive reinforcement. So the objectives of this lecture are to um, help you to define nutrition. You can't know how to eat right if you don't know what nutrition is and what nutrients you're putting into your body. So we need to be able to identify the six classes of nutrients and then how to get those nutrients into your diet on a daily basis. So what is nutrition? Simple definition of nutrition is that it is a science that focuses on the interactions between living organisms and their food. The food that you put into your body has chemical reactions that go on and elicit other reactions in your body. So each and every food that you put into your mouth creates a reaction within your body. And nutrition is the study of that. And it also includes the study of biological processes used in consuming food and our body's ability to use the nutrients contained in the food. So not only do we want you to learn how to eat right, but we also want to have your body be able to digest those nutrients properly. So that's why diet and supplementation go hand in hand here at The Well, because if you can't digest properly, you won't get the full benefit from the foods that you're consuming. So we want your digestive system to be as healthy as possible so that you can get the full benefit from the foods that you eat. So nutrients are the chemical substances contained within foods, and they are necessary to sustain life. They provide fuel or energy for the body. They allow us to build body structures like tissues, bones, um, hair follicles, all of that comes from the nutrients that you consume. And they also regulate and assist in bodily functions. Some key nutrients are actually hormones and enzymes. Just one little vitamin can allow for, for optimal enzyme function. If you're lacking that trace vitamin, then you don't have the optimal um, enzyme function that your body needs to carry out certain activities. So there are six classes of nutrients. Today we'll focus on the macronutrients, and macronutrients are, they're called macro for two reasons. One, they are large molecules, hence the name macro. So those are water, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. They're also macronutrients because you need, you need them in higher quantities. Micronutrients are small molecules, and they're needed in small quantities. Um, they are vitamins and minerals. We'll touch a little bit about um, vitamins and minerals tonight, but we won't really focus on that. Like I said, the main focus will be on those four macronutrients. Water is the first macronutrient, and is, it is the most important nutrient in your body. A human can go eight weeks without food, but if you go even several days without water, you will not survive. The longest that somebody can go without water is about 10 days. So water is key to survival, but not only survival, but optimal functioning. There's a big difference between surviving and functioning, functioning at an optimal level. We want you all to optimally function, not just survive through your day. Here's a little um, math for you. If you lose 2.5% of your body weight from water, you lose 25% of your efficiency. So just a small amount of dehydration will cut your body's efficiency by one quarter. So that's how important water is to your body. And our bodies consist of 55 to 60% water. And water is found in every single tissue of the body. There are many different roles of water. Here are just some that um, I've highlighted. It improves oxygen delivery. So oxygen is required for every single cell in your body in order, you, in order for you to function. And water is that conduit for oxygen to get it to your cells. It also transports nutrients in and out of the cells. So when you digest foods, it gets absorbed from your digestive tract, and because of water, those nutrients get carried to each and every organ and cell. It also hydrates. Cells are mostly water. That little plasma that's floating around in cells, that is all because of water. So you need water in order to have um, good hydrated cells. Water cushions your bones and joints. So anybody who has some achy joints, you wake up, your knees are a little achy, your back's kind of tight, think about how much water you drank over the last couple days. Are you dehydrated? It could be just simple dehydration that's causing that achy joint. Also, it's a shock absorber to your joints and your organs. So if you're 
an athlete, if you work in construction, or if you just have a bunch of two-year-olds or three-year-olds that run around and cause you to bump into things, that water allows for um, shock absorption from any kind of impact. Water also helps to regulate body temperature. So if you're out in the sun on a hot day, what do you do? Do you drink soda to quench your thirst? Some people might, but does it really quench your thirst? You need water to help regulate that body temperature for an or in order for you to sweat and to get rid of your body temperature or, or to lower that body temperature. Water also helps remove waste. So if you're dehydrated, you're trying to detoxify from chemicals or metals or you have parasitic die-off, if you're dehydrated, that die-off or that detoxification is not going to get out of your body. You need some kind of transport system to move that um, those chemicals or those metals or that die-off out of your body. And water is the way that we do that. It also flushes toxins and it improves cell-to-cell communication. Water is a conductor. It conducts energy or electricity. And cell-to-cell -cell communication happens by electricity in our body. So if we have good cellular hydration, we also can have good cellular communication. And it also empowers the body's natural healing process. So again, that's why all of us who are here coming to the Wild Life Center, we want to heal and get, have optimal health. We can't do that without the presence of water in our body. So there are a lot of sources of water loss and gain, and it's not just what you ingest. These two little graphs show how much water we intake on a daily basis and also how much water we output. So your intake and your output should be about equal. So if you're intaking um, that, I don't know if everybody can see that, but it says um, 2,500 milliliters a day, that's 2.5 liters, some of that water is actually produced by um, metabolic reactions that go on within your body. Just what's called cellular respiration, breathing in oxygen, causes water formation. And when you exhale, you breathe out CO2 and water. So that's one way that we get water. We also get water from the foods that we eat. And then the beverages that we drink. Ideally, we would like you all drinking nice quality water. And whatever beverages you may, uh, you may decide to, to add in addition to that, you have to look at the, um, the quality of it. Is it a diuretic? Does it cause water loss? If it does cause water loss, then you'll have to substitute the amount of water that you're drinking for that water loss that you're, um, that you're experiencing from the diuretic. Everybody know what I mean when I talk about diuretics? Caffeine, juices, sugar, those are all diuretics. And then water output, water comes out from exhaling, from the waste, whether that's urine or feces, also from sweat. Those are all ways that we lose water. So we need to be able to keep a good ratio of water or a good balance of water in our body. So if you see here, it says 92% of the water that we take in has to come from our food and our beverages. So we want to make sure that we're getting good quality water from filtered water sources, from good fruits and vegetables in order for us to stay hydrated. And then also water can't be stored. Even though some people may have some fluid retention in their body, their body's not storing water to help hydrate their body. Their body's storing, it's holding on to water in a sense in order to um, equal out your, your minerals within the body. So your body will not store water. We're not camels. We don't have a hump of water that we store for a rainy day or not a, or a dry day, I should say. So we need to drink water every single day. So how much water should we drink every day? Half your body weight in ounces of water every day. Unless you're over 200 pounds, then it's um, 100 ounces every day. But that's the maximum. And then we also have to factor in what else you're doing. Are you drinking juices? Are you drinking coffees or caffeinated teas? Those things will counteract the water that you're taking in. So you have to be able to, um, to add additional water to that. All right, so the next macronutrient that we want to talk about are proteins. And proteins are your body's building blocks. Our body assembles um, over 50,000 different proteins to form our nerves, our organs, our muscles, and our flesh. Proteins act as enzymes. They act as antibodies. Proteins function as hemoglobin and also as hormones. So we need to have proper protein ingestion in order to have proper enzyme function and proper antibodies to help our immune system, to have proper hemoglobin production so that we can carry oxygen in our red blood cells to all of our body's tissues, and also for proper hormone function. So poor digestion, especially poor protein digestion, can lead to depression and mental illness. 
Um, if you look at the makeup of some of the proteins that we take in, one of the amino acids or the little building block of that protein is called tryptophan. Everybody heard of tryptophan from Thanksgiving, you know, eating the turkey? Well, tryptophan is found in many other different proteins, but tryptophan is used to make serotonin. And serotonin is your happy hormone. And it helps, um, helps you calm down at nighttime, helps you feel energized. And if you don't have proper tryptophan from proper protein digestion, then you don't have um, proper mood regulation, and that can actually lead to depression. Also, sex hormones are made up of amino acids and fats. So, endocrine, I'm sorry, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, all of those are sex hormones. And if we don't have proper protein and fat digestion, then we won't have proper hormone function. So, women who are going through horrendous menopauses with high mood swings and heat flash, hot flashes and all that, look at the protein that you're taking in and how is your body digesting that protein. And men actually go through andropause where they have decreased testosterone levels. Again, how much protein are you taking in and what quality of that protein, and what's the quality of that protein? Proteins have two categories. We have essential versus non-essential amino acids and complete versus incomplete proteins. So there are about 20 amino acids that make up any type of protein. Um, the amino acids, like I said, are the building blocks of the proteins, and if you have a group of all different kinds of amino acids, then that makes a long-chain protein. Essential proteins have all 10 um, essential amino acids in them. So essential means that the body cannot produce it, and it must be obtained from your diet. So there are 10 essential proteins that must be attained from the diet, and there are 10 non-essential proteins or amino acids that um, must be, actually can be produced by the body itself. We also have complete versus incomplete proteins. So complete proteins have all 10 amino acids, and they're usually from an animal source. That's one of the main reasons why we encourage people to eat some kind of animal protein and animal fat within their diet because you get that complete protein. You get all 10 amino acids that your body can't produce on its own. Incomplete proteins have less than 10 essential amino acids. And they are usually from a vegetable source. There is one plant source that is a complete protein, and that's quinoa. Quinoa is actually a seed that digests like a vegetable, but it is a complete protein. Um, all other complete proteins come from animal sources. So to have an optimally functioning body, you need to consume good, complete proteins every single day. Complete proteins with proper digestion are broken down into your essential amino acids, which are the building blocks for your body. So your body can produce muscle and it can repair cells and tissues within your body. And it can also allow for proper enzyme and hormone function. And when you have that, then you have an optimally functioning body. So proteins are vital to life and vital for you for healing. So there's some good protein sources that we encourage everybody to look at. Um, I think you have a, a sheet there that has a little pie chart on the front that has the carbohydrates, proteins, and fats broken down on that. Good protein sources are free-range organic poultry and eggs. So no hormones injected, no antibiotics used, preferably not grain-fed either. You can get organic eggs that are, are fed organic grains, and that can include soy. So you want to be careful of um, the actual feed that's given to the, um, the chickens that you're buying your eggs from. Also, you want to use grass-fed beef and bison. Again, with that, there's no hormones injected and no antibiotics. Also, cold water, wild-caught fish. No farm-raised fish. Um, in certain stores, like Whole Foods, they have ocean-raised, where it's not quite wild-caught, but the conditions are like ocean water, so you are able to, you are able to use ocean-raised fish. Also, whole raw dairy, not pasteurized dairy, even though it may be organic. If it's still pasteurized, you've taken out the vital nutrients and enzymes that make milk so good. So you want to make sure that you're using whole-fat raw dairy, if you're able to do so. That, that you definitely want to check with your clinician first on the dairy aspect. Also, lamb is a great source of protein. And even though um, we have beans, legumes, and quinoa up there, they are not the ideal source of protein. Again, beans and legumes are a plant source of protein. They're incomplete proteins. And oftentimes, the problem with eating beans and legumes is we don't prepare them properly. So I will go over some proper preparation for those so that if you are incorporating beans and legumes in your diet, that you prepare them in a way that will be beneficial to your body and not harmful. 
30% of your daily caloric intake should come from proteins. Some people may need a little bit more, some people may need a little less. But as a general rule of thumb, we start people with 30% of their daily intake from protein. Next we have fats. This is our third macronutrient. Fats are very vital to your body. The American diet, which I'll go over a little bit, is very centered on low-fat, using canola oils and vegetable oils and margarine and all different kinds of fat substitutes. Your body needs good quality fat in order to function properly. And fats are actually a long-burning source of energy. They're like log versus kindling. We'll go over carbohydrates next. Carbohydrates are a quick burn, they're a quick source of energy, but once those burn out, if you don't have good fat stored in your body or taken in through your diet, then you're not going to have long-term energy. So you want to make sure that you're getting good sources of fat within your diet. And then fats also provide essential fatty acids. Again, anything say, that says essential means that your body cannot produce it on its own and that it must be consumed in the diet. So essential fatty acids are very important in hormone function, once again, in actually brain health. If everybody's heard of probably the, the EPA and DHA and things like that, especially for um, young children and infants. So those fatty acids, they're essential, number one, so the body cannot produce them, and number two, they're very vi vital for brain health. So you want to make sure that you're getting good fats in for children. Um, if you look at what, the, what doctors or pediatricians will say for children, they say don't give them... Um, skim milk or 1% milk. They actually say for children, give them whole milk because it has that fat in it. And we should actually do the same thing. We should have the whole fat um, dairy products as well. So fats, again, play several roles within our body. Like I said, that's a, it's a source of energy, especially for the heart. I don't know if anybody's into medicine or if I have ever watched surgeries on TV. I'm sorry, I'm a nurse, so I'm all about the, the medical aspect of some things. But th your heart actually has a layer of fat surrounding it. And that fat is used for energy for the heart. So when those carbohydrates have run out and the heart needs to continue to pump, because the heart doesn't stop. The heart works 24-7, so it needs a good energy source. While you're sleeping and healing and not taking in carbohydrates in order for you to have your body to have energy, you need something for your heart to operate on in order to do its job. And fat is the source of energy for your heart. Fats are also the building blocks for cell membranes and hormones. So our cells should be squishy little donuts that kind of travel through our body, that don't get caught up anywhere, um, can travel where they need to and do their job. But if you have rancid fats or processed fats in your body, then your body ends up using those bad fats in order to make your cell membranes. So if you have that happen in your body, you actually have rigid cell membranes. So that actually leads to things like atherosclerosis, where you have hardening of the arteries. Those arteries harden because you're putting rancid fats in those cells, and it ends up becoming very rigid. It doesn't, it's not pliable anymore. It can't c expand and contract the way that it's supposed to. So People are told to stay away from saturated fats and things like that from the medical community, but they're replacing their fats with things like canola oil and processed vegetable oils, and they're ending up hurting themselves more than helping themselves. So fats also aid in absorption of your fat-soluble vitamins. If you don't have fats in your body and you're not ingesting fats, then you're not going to get your good fat-soluble vitamins. Vitamins A, D, E, and K. You need fats in order to have those vitamins. And also, uh, mineral absorption is dependent upon good fat intake. Fats are required for the use of proteins. So if you're getting a good protein diet and you're absorbing those proteins well, but you don't have fats to complement those proteins, then you're not going to get the full benefit of your proteins. So you want to have good fats in with your good proteins as well. And fats slow the digestion of carbohydrates. One of our favorite snacks here at the Well of Life is an apple and almond butter with coconut oil. You have the apple, which is a good source of carbohydrate, but it's still a sugar. So sugars can spike your blood sugar quickly and kind of drop it just as quickly. If you add a fat into it or a protein into that, it slows the digestion of it, allowing your body to get the full benefit of all the nutrients that you're taking in. So you want to um, incorporate fats in order to have good carbohydrate digestion. It's also a protective lining for your organs. Again, that cushioning shock absorption um, factor that water has, fat has that same action as well. And most importantly, fats make food taste good. That is the most important part, I think, of fats. Because if you take out fats, you're eating low-fat food, they have to add in some kind of flavor in order to make it palatable. 
and usually it's sugar that they're adding into those low-fat foods. So we want to, again, encourage you to stay away from the low-fat foods, stick with the whole fat, and it'll make your, ta- your food taste better. So there, is, there are three different classifications of fats. They're saturated, monounsaturated, and polyunsaturated. And I'm sure everybody's heard a lot about these. There's a lot, there's, um, a lot of debate in the media and within the medical community itself about the benefit of all of these fats. Saturated fats are not the bad guy. Your body needs saturated fats. It actually operates better on saturated fats. There have been um, primitive, some studies from, from Rustin A. Price. Is everybody familiar with Weston A. Price? He's done studies on indigenous populations that have had diets that consisted of almost 80% saturated fat. And they lived to be 90, 100 years old. There was one, um, I believe it was an Inuit woman um, who Weston A. Price studied who had 26 children and didn't have any cavities. She was perfectly healthy. All of her children were fine, no birth defects. And she lived on that high-fat diet. But that was how her culture's body needed to, to operate on that, that high fat. So saturated fats are actually very good for you. They're stable. They will not go rancid easily. They are usually a solid or semi-solid at room temperature. So things like butter and coconut oil are saturated fats, as well as your animal fats. So saturated fats are non-essential. So even though they're really good for your body, you don't need them to survive. Your body can actually make saturated fats from carbohydrates. So for those of you who've heard of people or are yourself cutting out fat because you think it's going to make you lose weight, carbohydrates turn into saturated fat. And that's the storage system of our body. Our body converts those sugars, those extra sugars that we don't need, they're converted to saturated fat and stored within our system. Saturated fats are good at higher temperatures, so those are the things that you can grill with, that you can saute with. And like I said, they're from animal fats and tropical oils. Then you also have monounsaturated fats. They're pretty stable. They also don't go rancid easily. They're usually a liquid at room temperature. Um, They are also non-essential. Your body can make them from saturated fats. They're usually better at a low heat. And foods such as olive oil, avocados, and nuts are good monounsaturated fat sources. The third category that we have are polyunsaturated fats. And these are pretty unstable. They go rancid very easily. They're usually a liquid at room temperature. You should never heat these oils. You should never cook with them. They should always be kept in the refrigerator and away from light, um, usually in a dark bottle. So if anybody uses flaxseed oil or grapeseed oil or any nut oils, they should be in either a brown or um, a lot of them are sold in tin containers. So you want to make sure it's not tin or aluminum within the, the container it's held in. But those should be, like I said, kept away from light because it will go rancid very easily. And rancid fats, even though it's from a good source, are just like bad fats and it causes distress to your system. So these fats are found in flax, nuts, seeds, and fish. So 30% of your daily caloric intake should come from fats. So we have 30% carbohydrate, I'm sorry, 30% proteins, 30% fat, and then the next macronutrient that we cover are carbohydrates. It's probably most people's personal favorite. We have high population of sugar addicts, me, it's okay, I'm recovering. <laughs> um, so our bodies consist of 2% carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are non-essential. You do not need carbohydrates to live you can live actually on just protein and fat. And there are um, cultures, like I was talking about the Inuit culture um, up in Alaska, they don't have fresh fruits and vegetables year-round, or the the primitive cultures didn't. So they survived on proteins and fats. They They had some sea kelp and sea vegetables, but other than that, it was the proteins and fats. And they did very well without those carbohydrates. So carbohydrates are only used as fuel. They are not building blocks within our body. And we can also make carbohydrates from taking in fats and proteins. So again, you won't die if you don't have bread or sugar or anything like that. You'll live and you'll be very healthy because of it. All right, and again, this macronutrient, carbohydrates, has several roles. Carbohydrates are the fuel for your brain and nervous system. Your nervous system is firing at nanoseconds every single day. So you need quick-burning energy in order for your nervous system to work properly. So you do need carbohydrates for good nervous system function. That doesn't mean you need to eat carbohydrates. It just means that you need the carbohydrates from some source. 
And like I said, that um, fats were the log for the long-burning fuel. Carbohydrates are the kindling. They're quick-burning energy for your muscles when you need to run away from a dog that's chasing you or you need to get, catch your kid that's about to fall off the sofa, anything like that. Those are when you're, that's when your body needs carbohydrate, that quick-burning fuel. They regulate um, protein and fat metabolism. So every single macronutrient that we went um, through said it depended on another macronutrient in order for proper metabolism and digestion. So all three macronutrients, excluding water, but you still need water actually for that, but carbohydrates, protein, and fat, you need a good balance of them in order to have good metabolism and digestion of them. Carbohydrates are also a source of fiber, which allows for waste, um, waste elimination. Carbohydrates provide active enzymes, vitamins, and minerals, as long as they're good sources of, of um, carbohydrates. So fruits and vegetables actually have active enzymes within them that help you digest better. Even though your body has those digestive enzymes, these natural sources of carbohydrates have an enzyme in it as well in order to aid your body in its digestion. And you also have the vital um, vitamins and minerals that are absorbed along with carbohydrates. So in addition to proteins and fats, carbohydrates help fight infection. They promote growth in um, tissue growth in the body, and they also lubricate joints. So carbohydrates have a huge role in our body, but again, it's non-essential. I'm going to say that probably a couple more times. All right, so there are a lot of classifications of carbohydrates. We have simple carbs versus complex carbs. We have refined versus unrefined, and good versus bad is just a general one. So if you see here the picture of simple carbohydrates, there's a lot of fruits there. Though it, it's a natural source of sugar, fruits are a simple carbohydrate. So if you eat a piece of fruit all by itself and you have some blood, blood sugar dysregulation or you don't have proper digestion, you're probably going to have some, um, a spike in blood sugar from that, from that fruit and then a quick drop. And your body has to kind of compensate for that. So though fruits are good for you, we want to kind of be aware of how you're eating your fruits and when you're eating your fruits and what you're eating them with. So we'll talk about that a little later as well. Complex carbohydrates are um, composed of polysaccharides. So they're, again, they're big molecules. They are the starchy carbohydrates. So here we have some beans and legumes as the starchy carbohydrates, but actually vegetables are included as complex carbohydrates. Refined carbohydrates are those starchy carbohydrates that have been devitalized. They've been processed to the point where the germ and the endosperm of the, um, that grain is taken off of it, so you have just what's in the center, which is pretty much the sugar component of it. So even though it may be a starch, it's still a simple sugar because it's been refined to a point where your body immediately breaks it down into its simplest parts. So complex carbohydrates are, are digested slowly. They have that long-chain um, carbohydrate aspect that I talked to you about. And it takes a while to digest complex carbohydrates into that simple glucose molecule. And glucose is what our body uses as energy. Any sugar that we take into our body, our body converts it to glucose. So refined carbohydrates are converted pretty quickly to glucose, again, causing blood sugar dysregulation. Unrefined carbohydrates actually take longer to digest, so you don't have that, that immediate conversion to glucose. So then at the bottom, we have a picture of just some general good carbohydrates, vegetables, fruits, good beans and grains. And we'll also, again, talk about proper preparation of those. And then, of course, you have your, your bad sugars, your bad carbohydrates. So I just touched on this, but sources of carbohydrates are your fruits, vegetables. Raw dairy actually has um, the carbohydrate lactose in it, and um, that's a form of sugar for your body. Also, beans and legumes, whole, green, whole grains, and natural sweeteners. Things like honey, agave, and maple syrup are all sources of carbohydrates for your body. So if we had 30% protein and 30% fat that we need to take in every day, how, much, how many carbohydrates do we need? 40%. <laughs> so 40% of your daily intake should be from unrefined, mostly complex carbohydrates. All right, so... I talked about this a little bit, but the standard American diet, acronym is SAD, the SAD diet, this is what the typical American eats on a day-to-day -day basis, and we are led to believe that it's okay, that it's okay to have carbonated beverages as long as it has um, aspartame in it, or Splenda, or it's okay to have juice because it's a fruit, and my kid won't eat the fruit, but they'll drink the juice, so that's okay too. 
or artificially sweetened beverages because you're not having the calorie intake and you're trying to cut your calories to lose weight, so you're going to put in the artificial sweeteners. All of us, all people are being misled thinking that all those beverages are okay. Our number one beverage that we should consume is water. Yes, all these things have water in them, but the sugar and the artificial sweeteners and the chemicals added to it make those things, um, number one, chemicals in our body, and number two, it actually um, dehydrates us. They act like diuretics. Also, we have incomplete and or poor quality proteins. So people are... are, um, eating those, the grain-fed beef and the regular old Purdue chicken that has hormones injected and the chicken thighs as big as mine. Those aren't, those aren't proteins that we should be taking in. We also have low, quali- low quantity and poor qualities of fat. Again, we're told to cut out the fat, to lose fat, um, and also we're told to use poor sources of fat in order to, to have our body sustained. If you ever put out um, a tub of margarine, it won't go bad. Nothing will eat that. An animal won't even eat that. No bacteria will break it down. It'll just stay there forever and ever. And what, so what is it doing in your body? So these are things that, you, that we need to keep in mind as we're going through the grocery store or as you're going through your own pantry. What is this doing to my body? What's it doing inside of my body? Is it helping me or is it hurting me? Also, the standard American diet has simple, refined carbohydrates. Even though people are told to eat whole grains, they're eating, what, Stroman's whole wheat bread? It's been, if you look at it, if it says enriched, that means it's, it's pretty much a simple carbohydrate because they've processed it to the point where there are no nutrients in it anymore and they have to add them back in. So you see that it has niacin and riboflavin and thiamine. Those are vitamins that have been stripped from it in the processing and now have to be added back in. But the sad thing about that is your body can't use those vitamins and minerals because they're synthetic. You need vitamins and minerals that come from a whole food source. So that comes, brings us to those devitalized foods. They're full of chemicals, they're full of hormones and antibiotics. And just think of how that's taking a toll on your body if you're taking those foods in. So now that we know the standard American diet, and we've probably identified that long before now, we need to know the steps to eating a nutrient-dense diet, how to eat the well-approved way. So there are five main steps to it. Step one is 40-30-30. And that is the 30% fat, 30% protein, and 40% carbohydrate. Now, this isn't set in stone. I don't want you going around and looking at your plate and saying, okay, it has to be 30% here and 30% here, and that's how every single meal should be. Overall, from a day-to-day basis, you should have approximately 30% fats, 30% car- I'm sorry, proteins, and 40% carbohydrates. Now, some people that actually um, may differ for them. Some people, if you're used to eating only 10% fat and your body isn't digesting very well, we don't want you jumping right to 30% fat and giving your gallbladder a a run for its money. We want you to be able to digest those things properly. So it may be a slow process in getting you to that, um, that level, but that's our goal for all of our clients. So to continue talking about carbohydrates, again, those 40% carbohydrates, we can actually divide them into the starchy and non-starchy carbohydrates. So some people do better on less um, of the starchy carbohydrates. I know I do. I do much better without the starches. Um, I crave the starches, but I do much better without them. So I'm actually better um, around 10% of starchy carbohydrates and 30% non-starchy carbohydrates. So this is called um, bio-individuality. Every person is an individual, but you're also biochemically an individual. So if your body doesn't do well with starchy carbohydrates, we're not going to tell you that you have to eat 20% starchy carbohydrates if that causes digestive issues or your body just can't really handle it. We want your body to get the the, um, correct balance that it needs. So if 10% starchy is good for you and 30% non-starchy, then by all means, that's what we're going to encourage you to eat. You also want to make sure that you have proper preparation of grains. So I touched on that a little bit about how to um, prepare your grains a little earlier or at least warned you that you have to prepare them properly if you're going to incorporate them in your diet. So one of the, um, one of the staples of, for our clients that we encourage you to eat instead of eating refined breads is Ezekiel 4-9 bread or some other kind of sprouted grain bread. Those grains are not processed they do not have the vitamins and minerals taken out of them, and they're, they're sprouted. If you look at any traditional culture, they would not just take wheat out of, out of the field, grind it up, and make bread right away. They would actually sprout that 
those kernels of wheat or they would soak them and then dry them and then use it. And, and the reason why we do that is because there is a chemical that's actually naturally within those carbohydrates or those grains, and it's called phytic acid. Phytic acid is a protective mechanism for the carbohydrates so that they don't get um, broken down and eaten by any kind of pests that may have gotten into the plant. So you, can't, you should be able to keep grains for long periods of time, and that's because they have phytic acid in them. That phytic acid, however, blocks us from digesting food, those carbohydrates, and it actually strips us of our mineral intake. So in order to have proper carbohydrate digestion, we need to break down that phytic acid in order for us to digest the carbohydrates properly. So that's why we have you soak, sprout, or ferment your carbohydrates. So um, just a quick tip on how to do that. To soak grains or legumes, it's really easy. All you need to do is put them in um, a bowl of warm water, and you can use whey or raw yogurt, about a quarter cup of whey or raw yogurt, and what that does is the whey or the raw yogurt has active enzymes in them. And then the enzymes actually help break down that phytic acid. So you just soak it overnight. Then you can dry the grains again, or you can use them um, the next day. So if you're having brown rice for dinner, you may want to have, um, as soon as you're getting ready for work, put the brown rice in a pot with some water, let it soak throughout the day so that phytic acid is broken down. And then when it's time to make dinner, you have your rice already soaked for you and you can, you can make it right then and there. And the same goes with, um, with legumes or beans. So a lot of people, when they cook dried beans, they usually do a quick soak and they boil it for about an hour and then can make their beans however they're trying to prepare them. That doesn't break down the phytic acid within the beans. So you want to soak your beans overnight. Yes, it is sometimes a little labor-intensive or... Um, you just have to have proper planning, but that's the best way in order to have your body digest those, um, those grains properly. All right, so then we'll move on to proteins. Again, 30% proteins. You want to ensure that you have those good quality proteins. Proteins to avoid are soy, uh, pasteurized and homogenized dairy, farm-raised seafood, pork and shellfish, um, grain-fed and hormone-injected meats. That's pretty standard as, um, as the well-approved way to eat. So if you're able to, um, I know these the, um, grass-fed, free-range, hormone-free are a little ex more expensive, but if it comes down to eating organic vegetables or getting grass-fed beef, get the grass-fed beef and then soak your vegetables and deal with it that way. So if, if it comes down to that, you want to start with having the grass-fed, free-range, um, organic meats and then working your way along um, with the other foods that you're eating. Oh, um, just a quick side note on protein. Studies have been done on many different vegetarian cultures, but there are no true vegan cultures anywhere. Um, there, it's just not actually conducive to life to have a, a, a vegan culture. So... Any true vegetarian culture will have some kind of animal product in it, whether it's raw dairy or they use eggs or something like that. But there has never been a vital vegan community that has lasted. All right, so then leaves us with 30% fats. So we want cold-pressed extra virgin olive oil. Again, it should be in a dark bottle. Any of these fats that are now made into oils, they need to be um, in dark bottles and kept away from light. Virgin or extra virgin coconut oil. You want raw cultured butter. Animal fats are great sources of fat and protein. Raw soaked and or sprouted nuts and seeds. And in order to soak nuts, you can um, actually just soak them again in warm water, but you can add um, sea salt to it. You don't need to use the whey or the yogurt. You can just use sea salt. And the sea salt actually helps to break open the cell wall of the nuts and actually makes it um, more digestible. So nuts don't have that phytic acid that grains do, but they are sometimes harder to digest for the body. So, and if you are soaking nuts, you just soak them again for overnight or eight hours, and then you can drain them and dry them, whether it's in a dehydrator or just let them air dry, or you can actually put them in the oven at the lowest temperature that'll go on with the door open until they're just dried, and that um, they will actually dry the nuts out and allow them to be crispy again. And you can also purchase soaked or sprouted nuts, um, already pre-soaked and sprouted. You can get them online, and you can actually get them in some stores now, especially health food stores. So you can also use um, raw cold-pressed oils from nuts and seeds, nut butters, 
And fats to avoid, fried foods, any kind of deep fried food that actually you're denaturing the, the food that you're cooking by deep frying it. And then you're also denaturing the fat, which um, causes distress to your body if you do that. Also avoid processed vegetable oils, hydrogenated and partially hydrogenated oils. So those trans fats that everybody's been hearing about, those are things that you do want to avoid. And even though it may say that it has no trans fats, you can still have a small measurable amount of, fat, of trans fats in the product and it can still be considered no trans fats. So if it still has even a trace of that trans fat, you're still getting that chemically altered, um, pretty much fake fat within the food. So this is an example of a daily food intake of the 40-30-30. Little off, but not quite. So if you look here, it gives you actually a caloric intake, so you can go to a calorie count, or um, they actually have books that have the calorie count for just about every single food that you can think of. And then you can do all the math and figure out exactly how much um, you're getting in, in terms of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. So there's good use of vegetables here, good use of fruits, good fats interspersed through every single meal, and there's actually protein with every meal, and proteins with the snacks as well. So proteins, again, um, they help aid in the digestion of carbohydrates, and the fat that comes, usually comes along with the protein aids in digestion. Step two to obtaining a nutrient-dense diet is eat a variety of foods and a variety of colors. Your plate shouldn't be all one color. Color um, actually brings in phytonutrients and antioxidants within your food. So you have the good um, antioxidants and good minerals when, you, when you're eating a colorful diet. Also, encourage you as much as possible to eat organic. Like I said, it may be a gradient where you start with the organic meats and then work your way up. Also, eat locally and seasonally. We have um, our three cookbooks downstairs that um, Cynthia has put out for seasonal eating. We have the fall-winter cookbook that encourages you to make um, recipes with seasonal ingredients from the fall and winter. We have our holiday cookbook, which it's kind of fall and winter, but it's, it's a holiday one, too. And then we also have um, our spring and summer cookbook that just came out last month. So again, we want you to eat locally. That way you, you actually ha have some kind of um, quality control if you know where your produce is coming from, especially if you're involved in a co-op. We have a co-op here that we're um, a part of, so we know the farms that our foods are coming from. We know the quality of foods that we're getting from that co-op. So we encourage you. And that also um, gives business to our, our local farms. There's a big attack on our farms, especially the small business farms that are still doing things with the, the no hormones and no antibiotics and the raw dairy. They're, um, they're not profitable to the, um, the food industry. So if we support them by eating locally and eating seasonally, then we have our, our local farmers still um, with, with farms to, to use. Step three is eating a good portion of your foods raw. 30 to 50% of your food ideally should be raw, unless otherwise stated by your clinician. So those raw foods include raw fruits and vegetables, raw dairy, raw honey, and even if you um, make eggs that are kind of over easy, then you, have, you actually have that raw yolk component, so you can have that as well. Step four is drinking properly filtered water. So you want to um, make sure that the water filter that you're using, that you do indeed have, um, that you're using filtered water, whether it's just um, something on the faucet or a pitcher, some kind of filtered water. And a lot of you have probably seen, um, seen our handout, and I forgot to put the website on here, but it's www.waterfiltercomparisons.com, and you can get um, the comparison price and effectiveness and um, actually price per gallon of, of water that each filter um, each filter produces. So that's a good site to go on if you're, if you're looking to um, improve the quality of your water. If you have well water, you want to make sure that you get it checked on a regular basis. And also, if, it, if there are unsafe levels of metals within it, that you're filtering that well water as well. Also using a safe water bottle that use glass or stainless steel. That's the preferable um, type of water bottle. We have several different kinds downstairs that we use. Drinking bottled water, if you're buying it at the store, you're getting, um, you may encounter some leaching of the plastics into your water, and also a lot of it is spring water, and you don't know the quality of that spring water and where it's coming from. So you want to make sure that you have um, a safe water supply. And again, drink half your body weight in ounces of water every single day. I know the coffee that you had in the morning doesn't count. 
Step five, our last step in a nutrient-dense diet and how to eat properly. Chew your food properly. We want to make sure that you're chewing 30 seconds for every single bite of food that you take. Seems like a really long time, and it is really hard if you've been conditioned to kind of inhale your food and then get up and walk away. There are several things that happen when we take the time to chew our food. Number one, we can have conversation with our family while we're eating. It's a novel idea. And then also, you properly insalivate your food. You get your your salivary glands working. You have good um, moisture within the food. It produces a good bolus that goes down into your stomach, which then allows for proper digestion. Also, you start the digestive process when you chew. The actual chewing process breaks down the food into smaller particles, making it easier for your body to digest. So if you're chewing for 30 seconds, you may feel like you're chewing on nothing and you're chewing on water by the time that it's been 30 seconds, but that's beneficial for your body. That's how your body breaks down better. And then also when you're taking the time to chew your food this much, you're really into parasympathetic mode. And that's when our bodies digest better, when we're sitting down. So we, wouldn't be, we shouldn't be standing at the kitchen counter, eating our breakfast really quick, or driving to work, eating our breakfast. We should be sitting down, taking the time to chew. So take a bite and put your, put your fork down and then chew that bite. Take your time to chew it. And then once you swallow it, take the next bite. So take your time to eat properly. So let me have some things to avoid. You want to avoid cooking in the microwave or in nonstick or aluminum cookware. So the vessels that you cook in and the method in which you're cooking your food play a huge part in the quality of your food intake and also in your health. So if you're taking the time to buy organic fruits and vegetables and you have grass-fed organic eggs and all those things and then you stick it in the microwave to cook it, you're taking all the benefit out of it. So it's just as easy to scramble some eggs on the stove as it is to put it in the microwave and scramble eggs. You also want to avoid refined and hydrogenated vegetable oils. Again, they're very hard for your body to digest. They cause inflammation within your system. They are an immune stress, and it causes rigid cell membranes. Also avoid white flour and sugar. Again, that is a very simple carbohydrate. White flours, white sugars, white potatoes, white rice. Those are all very simple carbohydrates that, um, number one, they mess up your digestion um, just in general because of the, the true, just the, the pure nature of them. They, um, they prevent proper digestion. And number two, they also cause blood sugar dysregulation. Also, you want to avoid canned foods. Now, if you're canning at home using jars and things like that, that's fine. But if you're buying um, Green Giant or Delmani corn or peas, that's something that you want to avoid. Also avoid pasteurized, homogenized, low-fat or non-fat dairy. Again, that goes back to the whole, the whole fat, raw dairy that we want to eat. If you're taking out the fat in the dairy, number one, you're processing it to a point where it's really not even milk anymore. And number two, you're taking out all the benefit of it. Not only are you taking out the fat, but you're taking out the active enzymes that help your body break down the milk sugar. Also avoid artificial vitamins. Like I stated earlier, the, um, the enriched grains, if you're putting artificial vitamins in them, your body cannot utilize those artificial vitamins, and your body ends up depleting its own stores in order to make up for that, vi- that artificial vitamin intake. You want to um, also avoid artificial additives, preservatives, <laughs> colorings, flavors, all those, and that's just chemicals within your body. So if you're looking, if you remember... Um, back in your, some of your, your assessments and your, when you're in with your clinician and they tell you that you're, you're um, blocked with chemicals and it's from food dyes and preservatives, it's from those processed foods that you may have eaten or that you may have eaten 10 years ago. But this is something that your body cannot deal with. So we want to make sure that you uh, um, eliminate that from your body as much as possible. Also, um, refined table salt is something that you want to avoid. Again, it's chemically altered to, number one, make it white. And also, um, the, the iodine and the other minerals that are added to it are actually not good sources. So your body can't really use what's in it. So people are told to put salt on their food to get good iodine source. But that iodine is very, um, it's very altered, and it's a manufactured iodine, so your body can't really use it properly anyway. So good old sea salt. If it has a color to it, that's better, gray or pink sea salt. So that's what we want to use instead of that refined table salt. Um, Also, artificial sweeteners, again, touched on that. Artificial sweeteners are chemicals. And your body 
um, reacts to sweet things. It doesn't react to the sugar content necessarily. It will, it will react the same way to something sweet, whether it has sugar in it or it doesn't. So if you're um, putting, making a cake with Splenda, your body's still going to say this is sugar, even though it doesn't have the, the caloric intake of sugar, it still acts like sugar to your body and triggers the same mechanisms that refined sugar does. Also, avoid sodas, fruit juices, and drinks, chemically decaffeinated coffees and teas. Again, these act as diuretics in your body. Sodas are very, very harsh on your system. Um, The level of phosphorus within them um, actually depletes calcium in your body. And chemically decaffeinated coffee, um, in college, in organic chemistry, one of our labs was to decaffeinate tea. So in a chemistry lab, we were decaffeinating tea. So it's very, you'd be surprised how many chemicals go into the decaffeination process. So you want to make sure that you're using, um, if you're drinking coffee and you, you would like decaf coffee, you can do the Swiss water processed coffee. Um, it's, there's no chemicals added. It's just water, um, pressurized water that allows for um, the decaffeination process. And naturally low or caffeine-free teas is what you should um, go with. And then also avoid soy products. Soy is genetically modified to grow in our country. So it has chemicals added directly into the the product itself in order just to grow here. Also, um, the American culture does not eat soy properly. Soy, if you look at Asian cultures who do have a fair amount of soy in their diet, they use fermented soy in in the form of tempa or miso. They don't just pop edamame or have soy protein added to their food. Um, They actually use fermented soy. So In general, we encourage you to stay away from soy, but if you are going to do soy, then um, properly prepared soy would be better for you. So our last little motto, if you guys have heard Cynthia say this, if it doesn't grow from the earth, have a mother, father, moo, clucks, or swim, don't eat it. So that's a general rule of thumb. If you can remember that and you can't remember anything else from this lecture and you remember that, then you're good to go. Well, thank you all very much for coming. Everybody gets a, um, a little gift certificate back there with Felicia on your way out for attending the lecture. And if you guys have any other questions that you think of, I'll be here to, to answer them. Again, thank you all.